Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Baltimore is Catholic recording artist Matt Marr. Matt is a nine-time Grammy nominee and three-time Dove Award winner. He sang his song, Lord, I Need You, at World Youth Day in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil for Pope Francis and three or four million people. Do yourself a favor and check that out on YouTube. Search for Matt Marr World Youth Day 2013. That will move you, I'm telling you. But do that later because right now we're going to talk with Matt. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So your new album, Alive and Breathing, launched in February. What's been the reaction to that? And has the title cut with the hook, If You're Still Alive and Breathing, Praise the Lord. Has that become kind of an unofficial anthem for this pandemic? For anyone that's heard it, I think the song has really ministered to them uh, during this time. It feels very strange to have written a song a year ago with that line in it, and then a year later have it so um, recontextualized. I, you know, I wrote the song, it was a bit of an anthem for me, just uh, coming out of a of a, a long couple of years, uh, my father had passed away. I think I was still grieving his loss. Um, we had we had moved out of our house because we were renovating it. And we ended up having to knock down ninety percent of it, and Oops. there was kind of a time where I remember I, I I was staring at the shell of what my house was, and I remember thinking two things: um, I should probably be filming this for a reality TV show uh, with Chip and Joanna Gaines. And then the second thing was, this feels like an allegory uh, for uh, a, a lot of a lot of my life right now. Felt like God was just sort of kind of taking things down to the studs, if you will. But sometimes that's what needs to happen in order for you to kind of for things to be uh, rebuilt stronger. You know, there were, there were structural problems with the house that we never knew about. There was there were fires that were never reported, and so I we've. I kind of was looking at my life as sort of being this thing where God was just doing a lot of interior work. And so that song became, a, you know, just kind of an anthem for me. Um, a friend of mine, I said it this way, I said, sometimes in life you find yourself in a hole and you got to sing your way out. Fast forward a year later, the album's finally out. Uh, it's a hybrid album of, of songs that we recorded on the road and new material. And yeah, I mean, I think the song is sort of, uh, it's a reminder to people that praise, the Hebrew word for praise has seven different definitions and everyone fits a different context of the human condition. So praise is not something that just happens on the mountaintop when life is great. And it's not a form of distraction uh, or a way around our problems. It's the way through them. So yeah, I think, I think the song's been received well, yeah. And I know that uh, there are people who are dealing with cancer and, and surviving cancer also have seen that as kind of an anthem. I saw a clip of you with somebody in a radio station uh, who had kind of this has become her personal anthem like it is for you. Do you find that that then touches your heart to know that that is really getting to, to other people that same way? 
Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a hep C survivor. I had hep C for 27 years and got cured in 20, 2015. So the idea of having any sort of chronic health condition and have it sort of the shadow of it loom over you, I just, I understand what that feels like on a very human level and like on a psychological level, on a spiritual level. And also the, the, the opportunity, I think because of the redemptive work of Jesus, this sounds weird to say, but the gift that it can still be, you know, God is working all things together for our good. So even something like disease, even this pandemic, there are so many stories. And I think there will continue to be that even in the midst of so much tragedy and difficulty, that God is, God is about a mighty work for our good. And, um, you know, you have to, you have to draw a line in the sand and sort of make those kinds of choices. You get, you know, you have to look at this and, you know, my sister-in-law, uh, my brother's wife, she had stage four breast cancer nine, nine, 10 years ago. And so there are these moments where you have to look at this and you have to, you have to make a decision is going, is God using this somehow still for my good? Do I believe that? Um, and I think that's where, you know, that's why hope is a, is a theological virtue uh, yeah. and a very important one. Yeah. One of the songs on uh, Alive and Breathing is White Flag. That was one of the ones that was recorded live, like you're talking about. And you talk about surrendering to the Lord. That's your white flag there. I remember a few years ago seeing the movie Bruce Almighty. And Bruce, who is, you know, kind of playing God at this point, just realizes he's not in charge. And, and there's this great scene where he just opens up and he says to God, I surrender to you. And uh, I was amazed to see that in a, in a basically a Hollywood comedy movie, but because it was such a profound statement. Do you find that surrender to be difficult, surrender to God? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, extremely. Um, it, uh, I, I, feel, I feel like an actor sometimes in a movie where it's like you do a scene and they're like, cut, cut, okay, do it again, do it again. We didn't quite get it right. There's something wrong with the lighting or... It's just your performance was a little flat. And sometimes I feel like that's what that's what the daily surrender of a Christian uh, must look like to God. Uh, Keep trying. You'll get it right. Yeah, you know, it's like we're stuck in Groundhog Day. Um, so, I, you know, I think, yeah, I, the reality of, of how surrender becomes so clearly defined in specific moments and instances in our life. And I almost feel like you have the memory of those to to give you encouragement to keep going but then they also sort of stand i think as a testimony to your own hypocrisy or your own humanity when you find yourself just enmeshed in failure and they sort of stand there and and you're kind of staring at it and going well i i guess i didn't mean it but i think i think what you do is you sort of arrive at the fact that you're like i meant it then and that's all that i had all i had was the moment yeah. of of now and so in this now i surrender and that's why surrender needs to be daily because my surrender in the past i'm not christ so my sacrifices don't cover for all of eternity um good point you know what i mean they, they are temporal and so you know they need to be daily yeah yeah and i, and I think we find the same thing trusting in divine providence is a really yes. hard thing to do where does the inspiration for your songs come from? And how much does scripture play into your compositions? You know, I'd say they come from the, a life of faith that is rooted in the, in the liturgical and sacramental reality of the church. That, that's who I am. Um, that's, that's where I found myself the most. 
was, and specifically, you know, after being in parish ministry at a parish for 13 years, um, and sort of being enmeshed in, in community and everything that comes to community, cause it's not perfect. So I would say that now that over time, stepping as a single adult into the vocation of marriage and now three kids and trying to live that out and raise my kids in the, the beauty and tradition of the faith, having to explain things to them, it, um, having to, you know, give grace to my wife and her to me, that, that sort of daily crucible of family, I feel like now is sort of the, it's the, it's the fallowed ground that stuff doesn't grow and then you got to kind of till the soil and then stuff starts growing again. And that's where a lot of song ideas I think come from is being, being in right relationship and putting those first, you know, and then I studied music for nine years in college or something. So that, all that you got the theory down, all that groundwork's there and it's all, and it's there. And, and, you know, you do need to practice, but that part, not, not, not nearly as important to my creativity or, or my sanity uh, or my, just my health and well being as, as spiritual life. So, you know, that's, that's just where, that's how songs, you know, songs come when I'm sort of focused on the, when the main thing's the main thing. That's good. And it sounds like things have changed over the years as you've gone from parish ministry to, to you know, being on the road and, and a single guy and, and that. Um, so it, it sounds like that's all been in development and we see all of that in your life of faith and that comes out in your songs. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, and it does. It changes over the years for sure. Yeah. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with contemporary Christian music artist Matt Marr. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. 
Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org. Like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray or call 410-566-7770. are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Dove Award-winning Catholic musician Matt Marr, whose new album, Alive and Breathing, was released earlier this year. Now, just to be honest with our listeners, I've known Matt since before he got famous when he was one of the music ministers at St. Timothy Parish in Mesa, Arizona, almost 25 years ago, Matt, if you can uh, remember that. In fact, if you listen carefully to Matt's first album, The End and the Beginning, you might hear me in the big choir in the background there. That was a lot of fun. So how did you make that leap from parish music ministry to full-time ministry singing and playing in the you know all around the country and the world and being based yeah. in Nashville. I, I mean, I I don't know how I made it. I I mean, I think I can I think I can look back and sort of see the steps of how how it happened. Um, I, uh, you know, I was graduated from college in '99. You know, was terrified of being a prof- professional Christian, um, but I got offered health insurance. And so I just thought I'll I'll try out full time parish ministry, and I was very fortunate to be part of a very you know very dynamic parish and a lot of really great people, a lot of uh, great mentors, um, and I really kind of sensed that that this was where you know God wanted me to be in two thousand and two two thousand and three, in the middle I was actually in the middle of interferon treatment for Hep, hep C the, when I first kind of found out I had it. I was writing a lot of music at just being in this community and having gifts and talents and wanting to use them for God. And we were writing songs. I was writing songs for um, liturgical use. And then I was just writing like, you know, songs for um, just about, about life and relationships. And, and then we, we were having these, um, these um, kind of uh, praise and worship nights, with kids where we were, you know, singing um, worship music and then having adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And that opportunity of doing that, being part of something that was week in, week out like that, combined with, I think, being a jazz major in college and stuff, created the opportunity for a lot of song ideas to just sort of spontaneously come in the middle of leading prayer, leading worship. And I just started writing those. And then eventually, one of them was Your Grace is Enough. And Chris Tomlin heard that at a big youth workers convention in Phoenix in 2003. And I was asked to come play the song. And then Chris and his band were asked to back me up. So that's how Chris Tomlin and I met. And that was sort of when he recorded that song, that was kind of the beginning of it, of a pretty massive change. That album came out in 2004. And um, about a year and a half later was when I kind of sensed that I felt like God was opening a window and a doorway, if you will. And at the same time, I was doing a Bible study at our parish for the college group on John 17, which is Jesus's prayer for unity. And I realized two things. One, that I had never really paid much attention to that prayer, but it's one of the few prayers that Christ himself actually prays. And it's a really long one. Number two, I could help participate in agreeing with that prayer in my songwriting. 
And so that's what happened with that, with Your Grace is Enough was I saw this opportunity to write songs that actually created common ground. And so I just started focusing more and more on that, felt drawn more into that. At the same time, I remember Brother Roger, who's the founder of Taizé in France, ecumenical community, he had passed away and reading his obituary on a Catholic news site, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're going to carry part of that torch. And so I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know it mean it, you know, you're going to sign a record contract and you're going to move to Nashville. I was just kind of faithful in every step. So I started traveling, playing more youth events, kept writing songs. Uh, some of the songs started getting recorded by other Christian artists. And then I signed a publishing deal with, at the time was EMI, Christian Music Publishing, which is now Capital. And uh, they're, they're the largest publisher in the world. And they were based out of Nashville. So then I started traveling to Nashville to write probably once every couple of months and then just got more and more frequent. So by the time I got married 10 years ago this year, we've been, I've been traveling there so much, it just kind of made sense to move. Same thing with the record deal. It, it didn't happen overnight. It was a slow process. And as I felt the Lord say more and more to me about, you know, from a missional sense of just going and being a Catholic amongst Protestants, not really with an agenda, but just to be faithful to who I am, but but also write songs that that created common ground. I just saw I, I knew God was blessing it, so I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in a, a Chick Fil A restaurant one time, and we all we know that the Chris, the owners are Christian and not shy about that, yep. and they play music in the restaurants, and I. And I heard your grace is enough, an instrumental version of your grace is enough. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> you know, I, that must be kind of a, an odd thing for you to, to experience if you're out and about. But I imagine that happens. It's very strange. You don't, yeah. you, that stuff doesn't get, uh, you don't get used to it. Yeah. You talked a little bit about being a Catholic in a predominantly Protestant world in Christian music. How does your Catholic faith shape what you write, what you do, how you act? Well, I think the first thing always is is um, a sense of church history in the sense that like you have the scriptures, obviously. And then as a Catholic, I think, I, well, what I would say is I think over the past 15 years, what I've witnessed and seen is how more songwriters who are Christian, if they're writing congregational music and they're looking at scripture, they're also looking for Aside from the word, they're looking for corresponding commentary on the word, if you will. And um, there gets to a point where you start to realize, oh, well, what so-and-so said, who's a contemporary pastor is great. But then there's this guy over here uh, named St. Augustine, and he has commentary on the scriptures, you know, or St. John Chrysostom or, you know, the church fathers. Um, so I think history has become a big a big, um, honestly, a very, I think, appealing thing about Catholicism to a lot of young, I don't even know if I would call them evangelicals. I think they're post-evangelical at this point. Um, you know, their, their parents are probably evangelical. That word's become so tainted by, by political discourse in this country that I think a lot of them are, they don't want the word anymore. But what I would say is they're still, they look at the history, the sense of reverence, the sense of like the, the healthy sense of formality, I think to, to some extent with Catholicism. And I think they really have a big respect for it. So I think that over the years, those are the things that I, you know, 
I used to joke and say, uh, I steal a lot of lyrics from dead people because- And a lot of them happen to be saints. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. I mean, that's the, the yeah. And, and you know, they're not really dead. They're, they, but they'll all have a bone to pick with me when I, when I get to heaven. <laughs> you know, I, I think that I, so I think that, I think that that's how, how I would primarily um, share my Catholic faith. It, it's not so much that I have a ton of brilliant insights. I mean, hopefully, you know, God gave me a gift of music. He didn't give me a gift of theology or he didn't give me a gift of philosophy. I have a, a, a love for those things, but that doesn't make me a great philosopher. But I studied music. However, I think that that's the most amazing thing about evangelization and about like sort of the, the evangelistic gift of the Holy Spirit and how he speaks through the people of God throughout, um, you know, 2,000 years is that there are people who just have a, a great economy of words and what they say sticks around. So works for me. Yeah, it works for so, me too. So what have you been doing with your time now that you're not on tour? Spending a lot of time with your wife and kids? Are you writing new music? What what's going on? A little bit of everything, really, honestly. I got off I was on a tour, we did one weekend and then it got canceled. And I had this sense immediately of like, oh, this is not gonna go anywhere. I'm at home. And so uh, my kids were on midterm break. So we had a staycation and we stayed home and you know, tried to find toilet paper like everyone else. Um, and then we just, you know, we settled into distance learning because that was the thing. All of a sudden, like our entire educational system was, you know, changed overnight. And everyone who joked about homeschooling their kids, the Lord had the last laugh on them. Yeah. So the kids are out of school and we're, you know, we're just, um, there's some camps that haven't canceled. So we're, you know, kind of looking forward to those. I've got a basketball net and taught my oldest son how to do a layup and you know I think we're settling into this season and open about it I have a studio behind my house so I've been coming back here every day and been working more and more on how to have some semblance of schedule you know because the internet and internet usage before the pandemic started was already something that everyone was struggling with and then we all got locked in our houses. And so it, it became a lifeline, you know, but it's almost like getting thrown a lifeline of barbed wire. That's what I've been calling it. So, so I think like everyone else, I'm trying to, like every other musician, I'm trying to figure out the balance between how much time do I spend on this thing, playing songs. And I write, I probably write in two or three days a week. That's great. And um, yes, yeah, so creativity hasn't, I don't think has, has stopped. My wife and I have to be careful not to try not to start binge watching too many things because then, you know, you don't get sleep and it's not good. Yeah. When you can get back out on the road, are you going to come and see us in Baltimore? Oh, I would absolutely. You know, I think that's the, the, you know, what's interesting about the internet is that from a, from a chat standpoint, it's essentially built like a two-way radio and it, and you would think with like, you know, it's like, we put the man on the moon and we can't, we can't make an, uh, an app that enables sort of simultaneous communication and connection. So for musicians, it's so interesting right now because I think the two things that I miss the most are playing music with other people at the same time. And you can't do that with Zoom or yeah. FaceTime um, and, and hearing other people sing your stuff. Those are the things that I miss the most for sure. 
All right. Well, it's been great talking with you. We have been talking today with contemporary Christian music artist Matt Marr about his life, his music, and his faith. You can find more info about Matt's music, tour dates when they're available again, and links to listening to his music on your favorite streaming platforms at mattmarmusic.com. Thank you so much for being with us today, Matt. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. One of Matt Marr's songs, Let All the People Say Amen, was the anthem for the Notre Dame Prep Class of 2020, sung at the end of every school mass this year. So Matt sang the song, especially for their virtual graduation. He had a message for the NDP grads and all those graduating in this unusual year. Visit catholicreview.org and search for Matt Marr, that's M-A-H-E-R, to see the video. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.